Yes, everybody is free falling, uh, or rather sitting down comfortably in the Spice FM studios for Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Friday, the 11th of May, mm-hmm. uh, which is our first show of May, um, obviously because now we are two shows in a month, which is pretty awesome. Um, and a huge thank you for joining us if that is the case. If it's your first time, this is Mentally Sound. It's a show all about mentally health. Mental health. Um, I say all about mental health. I mean, we cross about all all spectrums of subjects and me and Ricky uh, who's my co-host today uh, as he always is um, we talk about uh, loads of subjects get crowbarred in but obviously the disclaimer at the beginning of every show is to just say we are going to touch on and go at like a like a, a big train <laughs> I don't know what the right metaphor is I'm trying to think out of like control a, yeah. Train. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah which is rather like depression yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah um, but yes <laughs> that was almost like we planned that yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say and then Ricky goes well I'll fill you in I'll be yeah. a support network as I always um, do yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Time here. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> he just he just my my mind Ricky just goes this is what Stephen's trying to say <laughs> <laughs> he's a sensible one um, but yeah so we will talk about taboo subjects quite openly and honestly uh, myself and Ricky and obviously the guests that we've got lined up which is a real bumper show today mm. um, which I'm sure Ricky will, will mention at the opening uh, start of the show um, but yeah huge thank you to the people who were uh, our first second week show which was in April we did two shows last month which was really enjoyable and we're really pleased to say we've got three guests lined up today um, which I'm really excited about um, so yeah so this fear that me and Ricky had which we talked about in the last show of that like if we did do two in a month would we run out of guests or would the second one not be as good as the first one and uh, turns well, out we got up to a good start haven't we yeah, yeah I mean you know we're, we're preaching to the converted here because yeah. we think we're awesome but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know which is a good start isn't it uh, but anyway um, so what we'll do is have a little bit of a chat uh, me and Ricky at the beginning of the show and then our first guest who's an MP which is pretty exciting which is Ricky's MP which is even more exciting so I'm sure it'll be a lot of Ricky going so why is this not being done in our area <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the idea or? well that's why I sent you the script late last night yeah. I was formulating all my tough questions <laughs> yeah you see this in the House of Commons next time if you ever get a chance so um, but anyway that's funny but uh, yeah so um, a really really bumper show so I guess before we get started we'll yeah we'll let um, actually Armpiece just walked in now she's taking a seat we'll be with you in a second we're just chatting amongst ourselves but um yeah, so um, the first thing we always do is I ask my good friend Ricky, how have you been since uh, a couple of weeks ago? Well, I've been all right. A uh, bit groggy this week, but um, very, uh, as you know, I'm very weather sensitive. Um, yeah. It's been up and down with the weather. I mean, I'm always, kind of, you know, in fact, that's what I was going to uh, mention on the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I potentially might have a new diagnosis. Newsflash. Cause it, He's so, clinically insane. <laughs> well, that you already. This is his last show. Yeah. So what? Oh, what it was is that um, remember the the heat wave that we had about three weeks ago, uh-huh. uh, roughly the first. Yeah, one? yeah. Um, so I tweeted it because people were like tweeting the heat wave hashtag heat wave and what they were up to, you know, having fun in the garden, or whatever. I was probably one of the minority that was like moaning and complaining about it. Oh, this is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't doing so well. And then I got a, a tweet back from a journalist. To say, saying that, um, can I? Can you answer some questions for me? Because I'm interested in, in in what you just said there. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Um, she says I'm writing an article about reverse sad. And I was like, reverse sad. So it was like, 
I mean, I've told you up to times about you know how how the heat affects me and how mm-hmm. ill I become, you know, anxious and whatever. Yeah. And apparently, there is a community of people out there that do feel the same symptoms I do. So she she then uh, wrote an article which and I, and I read and I shared and it seemed to sort of make sense that um, I, I'm not the only freak of nature out there. So I was like, there's a few of us. Okay. But it was intriguing. It's basically like sad, but it affects affect me in warmer weather where others it's sort of like. Ah, hence why it's called reverse sad because for those that don't know what we're talking about it's seasonal affective affective disorder disorder, which usually is related to winter um, which uh, I think a lot more people suffer from than I think people realise because I'm really not um, I I really uh, that was one of the reasons how I noticed way back when when I got a diagnosis when I was a teenager was that I realized that when I got to Christmas I don't know whether or not it was family related or not but because mm-hmm. I but I, I I don't know quite know what it was because obviously there's 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 innate pressure that happens mm-hmm. at Christmas anyway because it's the pressure of like you have to be you have to be upbeat and yeah. merry quite literally yeah. like so um it was only afterwards when I talked about it that I realized like I did have this genuine anxiety about it heading towards Christmas and it was like regardless of what was happening and I think I was like I think, I think quite a few people like do feel lone, like that. loneliness hits yeah. around that time as well when, when people that's fascinating because I've never heard of that so well, reverse neither sad. did I until um, now so, so. so my, my, the, my curiosity leads me yeah. to say is that does that mean it replaces what you said you had before or is it just another thing that you think you have uh, I wouldn't say replace I think it just it, it was just it was like it felt like a square peg fitting into a square hole it, ah that makes sense yeah so it, so it kind of confirmed uh, everything that that, that, yeah. that I saw was problematic and, and thought it was only me um, but yeah and, and in that in that article um, there was a few people mentioned along with myself it's on my Twitter feed if anyone's interested in reading about it uh, I'll tweet it again after after the show as well but yeah it's that's um, fascinating yeah, I mean, with me, it's more sort of anxiety-related. With others, it was more sort of the, the depression side. Yeah, and as you um, said, like, the sort of loneliness aspect of it as well, because a lot of seasons are... Mm-hmm. I, I find seasons associated with... Because, um, like, for example, with summer is... Uh, I think the connotation for that is is that, like, you're missing out on something because yeah. there'll be loads of people going out doing things. Well, I did so think that, that kind of thing. as well. Like, you um, know, I used to have the travel bug. Seriously, I had the travel bug, and it's been sort of really weighing down. Mm-hmm. In recent years, which is a shame, but I, I you know, I do my best to get by. Um, but you know, it, it, it says weather changes, and <laughs> you, you, it, it, it yeah. becomes more and more real. How real when? Because you, you see, I'm being completely upfront by saying with with rain, um, I actually um. I actually feel better. I secretly enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, I don't have to go out. I don't have yeah. to be out because it's raining. I'm like, hey, we need to go indoors. And I'm like, that's when I'm most happy, like around people I care about or even just on my own. I'm like, oh, great. I have nowhere to go because it's raining. <laughs> it's like my, like, sort of my guilt I'm goes away. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, so I, um, all I'll all I'll end on because that's a fascinating thing. We'll talk a bit more about that on yeah. the show because that's really fascinating and it's good that you shared that. Um, all I'll say was when I got, before I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, quite a common way to be told that you have that is through severe depression or like some form of depression. Yeah. And obviously, it's so interesting when you said that fitted me so well because when I got told what bipolar disorder was, it was literally like describing what my life was like and I never remembered a time not feeling that way because I always felt when they said depression, I'm going, but what about this time when I feel like Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly like... Mm -hmm. 
I can't control how happy I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same principle. Yeah. And then it was only when I felt comfortable talking about that side of it because it's weird because as Stephen Fry says about it, mm-hmm. why would you say that that's a problem, being happy, unbelievably happy? It's not a problem. It's like you wish you felt like that forever. But it does... Um, being or being or being too much of anything is problematic. Well, I think um, it's true because uh, I think when people um, who who are mentally unwell and they finally get diagnosis, it's not devastating. To, I mean, to me, when I got my PTSD diagnosis, it was like a relief yeah. because I could finally pin it down and research it and learn learn about controlling behaviours and. Yeah. And seek the right help. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as I say, we'll talk more about this, but we've got a couple of guests waiting. We've got John Devitt waiting. Very, is it Devitt? I, I think I'm Devitt, yeah. I got it right the first time. I should just trust in myself, Steve. <laughs> it's just me and my dyslexia going. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we've got Catherine McKinnell, who is a member of the Parliament for Newcastle North. Is that Hello. correct? Hello. Newcastle welcome Newcastle North, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. You are our second MP we've had on the show in our lifetime of. For years or so. Well, I'm so, honoured. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, we're honoured to have you. Um, but yeah, obviously we've got a loads to talk about, but I guess the the obvious question, and I know Ricky, Ricky, because you, you're, you're his local MP, so I'm sure he's got, we were joking before you came in that he's got like a whole laundry list of things <laughs> to ask you, like, why is this bin not being sorted? Uh, all this kind of thing, but jokingly, obviously, but... Say that for another show. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but um, the obvious question to start with is that, you know, saying you're an MP has a wide connotation so can you like in a more specific way say like what does your role involve uh, in that in that sort of sense gosh where yeah. to start i know so um we start with the broader stuff on this well, show <laughs> well, well i would like to start by saying thank you very much for having me on this show i'm no uh, really um delighted mm-hmm. to be on here this morning i've actually just come from um being part of the tynham weir citizens mm-hmm. Um, on a commission on mental health I've been appointed a commissioner Mm -hmm. as part of that inquiry Mm -hmm. so that's literally where I've just come from this morning Um, so that's been really interesting Um, and then later on this afternoon (laughs) after this I'm going to be going to the Nestle factory in Forden meeting with some apprentices um, and and it's also part of because I'm a chair of the all-party parliamentary group on Mm -hmm. apprenticeships um, but also I'm doing a, an industry and parliament trust internship, which is basically trying to match up pa- um, parliamentarians with businesses so that we better understand business, how it works and how it functions. Mm. So I'm marrying those two interests this afternoon. So that's just a snapshot of Great, yeah. one day in the life yeah. of me as an MP. But obviously that's here in the constituency. We're generally here on Fridays mm. and I do my best to get out and about, meet as many people as mm. possible. Last Friday, I went to visit um, some different schools. Yeah, um, great. Um, but then, obviously, Monday to Thursday, we're down in Parliament in Westminster. Mm-hmm. And really, the point of going around, out and about, meeting mm-hmm. people, and often people say, what's the main skill an MP has to have? And they yeah. assume it's talking. And Parliament actually comes from the French word to talk, parler. Which is an essential skill for a parliamentarian. You have to be able mm-hmm. to communicate. But actually, for me, listening is a really key part. So if right. I don't get those opportunities and moments to go around and listen to constituents of all ages, of all interests, um, with all different um, needs and, uh, and, and agendas mm-hmm. and issues that they would like to see improved, I wouldn't be doing my job when I then go down to parliament yeah. to raise those issues on their behalf. So of course, it's really yeah 
uh, matching up those two things Re- representing the people essentially exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that, that's something i remember being fascinated by with um uh, billy Connolly. uh got asked in an interview i saw which i thought was really interesting that he says like in majority of countries that he's been in in terms of um, in terms of government represent, representing the people, he found that the most disappointing and the, the, the quite a lot of um, governments, it not just he wasn't necessarily speaking about the UK but just all, in all of his travels that they never resented, represent often the people and the, the stuff that they act, like people actually want mm-hmm. it's always like their agenda and what they mm-hmm. what they aspire or what they think people want so it's always nice when we do stuff on this show because we talk to like grassroots organizations a lot of the times and when you find out like what people ultimately want and i've worked for a couple of charities as well and it's really nice when you talk to people and go look what actually do you want mm-hmm. i often find the principle of people don't want very much they just kind of want to be looked after mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know? and heard though and yeah. I, I find um i mean for example being on this commission this morning the mm-hmm. health uh mental health commission that I mean, I do a lot of work in Parliament. Um, I have been on the Education Select Committee. We've had an inquiry on mental health and children in school. Um, I am on the Treasury Committee where we look at um, how the government invests its taxpayers' money. And, you know, I've been campaigning on that for breathing (coughs) space for people who are in problem debt um, but also have mental health problems and they need a bit of breathing space to actually get their debts in order and not to be pursued for those debts. So there's lots of different aspects of mental health that I work on in Parliament, but ultimately by being part of this commission, I'm really getting uh, to hear from the coalface, from young people we heard from this morning, from people at work in in mental health advice services, Mm -hmm. mental health professionals, about really what would make a difference and what and what we need to change to make these services better and some of it is for local people to organize in you know in better ways but a lot of it does come back to government and how we as how we fund these services and how we better organize them and how we prioritize them within the legislation and the framework so there is a big job of work to do in parliament so yeah bringing those two things together and being able to actually be part of that listening process mm. but then translate it into action yeah. it's a real um, privilege to be able to do that yeah so what's the uh, what was the purpose of uh, this morning's meeting because i know the tyneway citizens i think you had an inauguration meeting at the time theater was it a few months back yeah is it to collect all these sorts of voices and research and then lobby parliament on on mental health um so it or? doesn't have a fixed agenda yeah. in that sense mm-hmm. it is very much um the organizing of ordinary people grassroots Mm -hmm. to come together to decide how they might bring about change how they might organize together to bring about that change Mm -hmm. and then they decide Mm -hmm. how that change can best be delivered Mm -hmm. so they they've had they've broken up into smaller groups they've Mm -hmm. decided which areas they want to look at they've happened to involve me in their commission on mental health Mm -hmm. But there are other commissions mm-hmm. on, um, you know, better race relations um, and, uh, you know, for young people as well. And but and they decide. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm in their hands, really. Right. I'm part of the commission. I'm there to listen mm-hmm. and to contribute, ask questions. But I'm also there to receive the recommendations. And if they come back and say, right, this is what we would like to see yeah. in Parliament, then mm-hmm. I'll take that away with me. But it's not for me to decide. Okay. Um, it's really coming up from the grassroots which i think is a really innovative mm-hmm. but also a very powerful way of bringing about change mm-hmm. so how long have you been an mp for i've been an mp since 2010 
Ooh, very yeah. long time. So in that in um, that eight years, we've mm-hmm. had three elections. Okay, yeah, yeah. Been busy. That and makes a sense. Referendum. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're going. Finally, some relief. Oh wait, and then something else comes on. <laughs> um, but I, the reason I'm, ta- I'm the reason I asked you that is because that's actually really useful for what I was about to ask you. Is that um, we often ask on this show because obviously you know we just you you were listening to the opening conversation about like you know someone with mental health very often it's a very long period of time and so obviously the period of time that you've been as mp i'm interested to ask you like do you how do you think it's progressed over the time that you've been an mp um do do you think government are more involved than they were before um like just based on like your experience of being an mp so in some ways i think things have improved so i think that there is much more focus now on mental health. I think mm-hmm. people are more trying to become more comfortable about talking about mental health. I think quite a lot of MPs have been really brave and outspoken and talking about their experiences, which I think is always very, very powerful um, because that is part of the challenge of just it becoming as normal to talk about your mental health mm-hmm. as, you know, your, your sore leg, which I've got at the moment, so I, I relate it to that. Um, <laughs> but... In other ways, I think things have got a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to try and sound upbeat yeah. um, because I am a sunshine person and the sun is shining. <laughs> but I do think that things have got a lot worse. I think that the number of young people that are experiencing challenges with their mm-hmm. mental health has, has grown mm-hmm. um, significantly. And I know that statistically. I do have um, some, some statistics on it. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is to do with how we're changing as a society i think mm. social media i think the pressure that young people are under i think a lot the education system is putting young people under a lot more pressure than i was at school yeah. and even yeah. you know be, before um some of the changes that have come through since 2010 but also i think the funding for services has seriously decreased yeah, and course, I, you yeah. know and i've been around schools and you know some of the head teachers literally almost in tears when they talk about some of the funding cuts they're facing mm. and the choices they've had to make. So cancelling school trips, cancelling mm. um, some of the extra activities that children used to be able to do, cancelling uh, the school counsellor because they just can't afford it and they have to fund the, the core teaching. The basic, and, yeah. And I, you know, and I think schools are amazing and I love going around visiting schools and seeing what they're doing. But we can't deny that some of the funding cuts are having a big impact on some of these extra services that let's be honest mm-hmm. are fundamental to actually having that child <laughs> get have a good education and be happy and be a rounded resilient individual i'm so pleased you said so that so i i yeah. i think we've got a big job of work to do to deal with the massive strain that our public services our education and health services but are the, under the fact of having counselors in schools is is it sounds relatively new but to hear that being cut as one of the first things quite quite sad to hear but on on the point of schools because you've been you've been one of the few MPs who pushed through debates and motions within parliament about mental health being part of a curriculum can yeah. you tell us a bit more about that what you've been sort of yeah so it was um part of the inquiry that we mm-hmm. did as a cross party so this mm-hmm. is not a party political yeah. thing cross-party group of MPs we did it with the health select committee education mm-hmm. committee and one of the recommendations was that Yes, we have PSHE, um, personal social health education, yeah, yeah. you know, one hour a week perhaps, but that's not enough. We need to embed this sense of our mental and physical well-being mm-hmm. into the, 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 the very 
basics and into the very heart of, as you of say, the school so life many and that school curriculum. Affect kids yeah. there, be it the social media, cyberbullying, that kind of thing, and then having having any help to as a as an offshoot from that, uh, no help there is is. is and I think the the children need that help and support. They need to be helped to build that resilience. Mm. Because ultimately you can't control the internet, you can't yeah. control what they say to one another on social media. You have to give children the tools mm -hmm. to be resilient and be strong and be discerning as well about what they expose themselves to and what they expose other people to. But also that you've got to help parents as well because mm. a lot of our kids are better on this technology than the parents are. So I think the school's got a real responsibility. But also I think... Ultimately, it helps them with their educational outcomes because that's what schools care so about. Are you also advocating that mental health should, could be a subject to be taught then as well as just having it there as, as, as a means of help? Through yes, I think it should be more... I think it just should become a more naturally talked about aspect yeah. of life. Mm -hmm. of, of And it comes into all sorts of subjects and all mm. sorts of discussions and yeah. it just needs to become not some particular subject that you talk about at a particular moment but actually your mental health is as fundamental as your physical health mm -hmm. in fact the two are completely mm -hmm. connected mm -hmm. and yeah. it should just be talked about in a and, and and i think schools need to be helped and supported to be able to do that and for it to become a, a very natural normal part of life yeah within that school environment there's a couple of things you said as you were talking there that intrigued me because you validating a lot of the stuff that we that we think we've preached this on the show before for example that and i'm intrigued to ask you directly that that because we did a statistic a while ago and i don't know how much has changed and i don't know if i'm remembering it accurately but we made this comment of that physical health just in terms of like the nhs for example is like four times more funded or something than mental health is um i can't remember exactly it's, it's something like that but it's yeah. it's it's a lot more times than mental health is mental health is treated because i remember the conservatives did a bill that we talked about on the air once that they said that they were going to increase funding, funding and like start looking at it like mental health should be on par with physical mm -hmm. health. And I guess I'm asking from like a grassroots sort of school level is that we preach that like physical, uh, like sort of um, mental health should be on side like sex education and that it's, it's the same principle in the, you know, cause even if, you don't like sort of just say it as a separate mental health issue it's like i find this interesting that the people don't seem to regard like the consequences of actions a mental thing which it clearly is so like just to take sex as an example it's like even if it was just uh, like one night standy type thing it still has a mental aspect to it and that and so wouldn't it make sense to approach that subject with exactly the same desire as you would in a physical way um and that's kind of, i'm just interested to know your thoughts on that yeah, and i think a lot of schools um, are quite good at um dealing with the education around you know relationships and yeah. and, and, it, and that's to do with your mental and physical yeah. and how you interact as individuals and you can do that in a really age appropriate way that you know about um you know personal space and respecting one another's mm -hmm. physical boundaries and also how those relationships can enrich but also how you can damage relationships with particular actions and yeah. behaviors and i think all of that mm. i think from from the age of dot children need to grow up with that understanding of how their actions impact on others mm. and i think that in itself will have a big impact on their their resilience and their m mental health as well but i think you're absolutely right about the funding issue and the government does say a lot of the right things about the parity of mental health that we need to put them on the same level but ultimately unless you ring fence funding for mental health yeah it will get swallowed up into the kind of general nhs budget that is already weighted 
towards physical health but yeah. also is absolutely under strain itself mm. so if you really want to direct funds in a particular way you have to do that in a in a targeted way yeah. and i think whilst you may make pronouncements from government unless you actually make genuine allocations of funding to particular things unfortunately the way our system works it gets swallowed up do you think on the back of that because this is what i think about quite often is that do you think on the back of what you just described is the reason that it reinforces the discriminatory aspect people have because you know i I was thinking of the phrases you were describing that eligantly about about that situation and going it's it's like when people say well look at it this way you're not dying and yet i kind of think of that and go well, in a physical way, maybe not, mm. but in a mental way, some people do end up feeling like that because I often say, because we talk about prevention on this show all the time, and the thing is about, pre- the great thing about prevention, which is why it should be the way you approach things, is prevention stops a short-term problem from becoming a long-term one. Um, so pre- so even looking at things in a preventive sense stops people having such long waiting lists for mental health-related mm. stuff, mm. and it regards it as serious as somebody getting a, a, a physical ailment because... You know, it goes back to the old cliche, doesn't it, of, you know, if you see a broken leg, a person knows what to do. If you say to someone, I'm depressed, they either run away from it or they're just not sure. Mm-hmm. Even if they love you very much, there's some people who go, well, I'd love to help, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Does that not yeah. convey the ignorance of it yeah. or the, the lack of understanding about it, I guess, is a well, better way of phrasing it. Well, you say not dying, yeah. but the biggest um, killer of young people under 35 is suicide. Exactly, yeah. Which is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, horrendous we talk about it on this show because in the yeah. northeast it's the worst, isn't and, um, it, for males in particular. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and also one of the things yeah. that came out really strongly from the commission this morning was that you have to be in crisis, really, before yeah. you get help. <laughs> yeah. And there are so many people, you know, if you had more support within a school environment, you could probably challenge tackle or find the medication or the solution yeah or the you know the, the space to explore what the issues are before it gets to crisis point yeah and actually if you dealt with an, with the um, issues when people are younger and in a you know a more potentially supportive environment of school you know hopefully at home um that that you will actually prevent those situations escalating into adulthood yeah 75 percent of adult mental health you know started in childhood yeah Um, and so if you if you plowed that resource into those young people you may not even have you know and or or the adults with mental health conditions will have the support they need and Mm. will have whatever medication or therapeutic support that they need so it doesn't make sense yeah. not to put that investment in of course yeah we be like saying hallelujah yeah we've been talking about this forever so but much more eloquently than we but it and it's good because you obviously being a member of parliament is is obvious as is to sound is that it's putting it into practice is the most difficult part yeah. about it because you we can sit here and be these philosophical philosophical people like me and ricky are going wouldn't it be great if uh but you know this is the whole idea of that it is all about people power though essentially and it's the give you the power to do it so um so that that, that's ultimately what our goal is is to signpost people to go because as you were describing that i'm sure rick you was thinking the same thing is that like i was sitting here going wouldn't it be great for a child in school right now to basically say i have a mental health issue and they would and a teacher would go okay and signpost them to like a counselor or something that was on premises and that from that that day on 
they got help that they needed by just declaring that they have the problem. Because I think it's a kiss of death because the fact that the help isn't there, people are more or less likely, I think, to openly admit they have a problem because they know it's defeating. And I it, think even yeah. take that one step back, because I completely agree with you, yeah. that, that is the ideal that we would yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. And then take that one step further back, wouldn't it be ideal if every child was able to even recognise if they or their friends uh, yeah. had them. Because that's one of yeah. the big issues. Yeah. Is that you just don't know what's wrong with yeah. you. you. You know, you don't know what other people feel like. You only know how you feel mm. yourself. But to be able to recognise the signs and be able to have that kind of environment that helps you understand actually when things aren't right, mm. so to then say to the teacher, actually, I think I'm feeling like that, yeah. and then be signposted. So that, you know, so you, you take it all the way through and also to get out of the habit of just it'll get better it'll it'll pass because with time yeah exactly yeah (laughs) yeah well that's again i mean i know we've not got time to talk into this but i i preach about that all the time because when i was first having trouble um i was about like 15 and I got the whole, it's just an awkward teenager, he, you know, he's just that he's going and, through and that phase. That. And, yeah, of course there, there is, is but yeah. But, but my, I guess my point is, is, uh, you're right in that the, there is stuff like that, but I guess it would be nice that people double checked yeah. that that's what was going on as yeah. opposed to like just assuming that's mm-hmm. the, that's the situation. Because mm-hmm. assumption in mental health can be the most damaging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of where, where, where we're looking at. So fortunately we're out of time and I don't want to make uh, John wait any longer because uh, we've got to play ads make. unfortunately. So, um, I say unfortunately, please do encourage, look at the ad, listen to the ads as much as you want. Um, you know, we love the ads, don't we, Ricky? <laughs> The answer the greatest thing. Um, but no, seriously, we have to play, uh, obviously, Spice Obligated. So, so Please come on again. Yes, time. that yeah, was we'll great. Um, could, yeah, uh, before you go, uh, just for 30 seconds, is there anything you want to signpost? Like, is there any place you would like people to go to website-wise or any events that's happening? Well, uh, we always well, like to ask people. Follow the Tynham Weir Citizens um, Commissions because if, you know, if not on this issue, there are other issues that they're doing. And I think it's great work. And I think the more people who get involved and get feel empowered to actually mm-hmm. make change in in society then i think the better so great kind of like what we do on this show don't we just want to echo people's what what the community as a whole is doing out there Mm. to to um, get the message across so yeah thank you great thank you very much that's uh uh, thank you so much and safe journey home and all that and that was really fun talking to you Uh, wow what a great interview um but yeah so obviously unfortunately we have to uh stop now for ads so we're going to play some ads now and then we're going to play the proclaimers because i just thought it's sort of summer now let's have a fun song and then john devitt who is from recovery for life is going to sit down and talk to us now so uh we'll be back right after this messages thanks guys for the community by the community spice fm 98.8 fm Newcastle Miller 2018 25th year anniversary The biggest multicultural festival on Tyneside Bigger and better than ever before Taking place on Sunday the 26th and Monday the 27th of August Bank Holiday Weekend At the Exhibition Park, Newcastle City Centre For more information, log on at newcastlemiller.co.uk Or search us out on Facebook Motharam Samain گزشتہ سال ہم آپ کے لیے ڈیٹس فار سیریا لے کر آئے تھے اس سال انشاءاللہ ہم ڈیٹس فار سیریا فلسطین اور پاکستان لے کر آ رہے ہیں ایک کلو کھجور کی قیمت صرف دس پاؤنڈ رکھی گئی ہے تمام منافع آپ کی پسند کی ہوئی چیریٹی کو جائے گا آرڈر کے لیے ٹیلی فون نمبر زیرو سیون 
5229767002 پر رابطہ کیجیے آپ کا آرڈر انشاءاللہ ماہ رمضان سے پہلے آپ کو موصول ہو جائے گا مزید معلومات کے لیے ہماری ویب سائٹ www.thedateproject.com پر رابطہ کیجیے شکریہ Come on, everybody, let's admit it. 
Yes, yes, yes. Singing along to this, who, who wouldn't be? Because <laughs> just a bee barn man. Because <laughs> you, you ever saw the Proclaimers live? Uh, I have not. No, I've seen it twice live. And All right, it's amazing how. I'll tell you very quickly on, on Live Eight, right? Uh-huh. Up in Edinburgh. Do you remember the original Live Eight? They had Status Quo kicking the the whole gig off. Yes. On this on on that day, they had uh, the Proclaimers kicking it off, and mm. wow, the whole stadium was just rocking. <laughs> yeah, be there. rocking. Well, um, I remember. I think we've talked about this before, but aren't I right in saying that? Um, they they ended up like having a second career because they weren't like kind of around for a while and then when yeah Live last happened, few years they did get a they got like a number well they did the stuff, comic yeah. relief single with Peter K wasn't it that yeah one, that's yeah. right yeah that's right yeah because I remember David Tennant saying that whole thing on um, Graham Norton where he said that he got asked to go to the video that they did for oh, the special yeah. and he they, they um. He went, oh, I get to meet the Proclaimers because he's Scottish. So he's like, oh, I'm a huge fan of the Proclaimers. And then he got there and his, uh, like the person who was doing the video went, I'm sorry, but we filmed the Proclaimers like, earlier today. Yeah. They're not going to be there. And they were on Graham Norton. And Graham Norton goes, well, we filmed them earlier. They're not coming. And David Tennant just looked at him like, I'm going to kill you. And he went, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. And he went, don't do that to me. I'm yeah. such a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was a little telling story. And they're really good fun as well. Like, I mean, they were really good. Um, they, they were... They were kind of joking at like because everyone knows that song that it was did the it, first time it ever heard number Leith, one which a... is my favourite part of Edinburgh sorry Leith my favourite part of Edinburgh oh, right, okay. yeah yeah no yeah. totally From anyway um, we'll get on with things because John Devitt uh, who's been very kindly waiting he was listening to the whole interview we did last time and he's uh, the director of Recovery for Life uh, which is a training treatment service for mental health for business and individuals which sounds all fandabidosi <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he'll uh, he went I just help people <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that's essentially it. To be yeah, but I know you've got to have a nice fancy title, haven't you, John? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, basically, we're a specialist drug, alcohol, and mental health service. Okay. And um, our background and our we're a clinically based service. Our background is running big treatment services. Mm. Okay. So we've run them in Sunderland, Stockton, Hackney, around the country, right. etc. <laughs> so um, what we found, but we're a private service now. We work with businesses who are particularly around where you've got members of staff who they want to support who might have come unstuck with drugs, alcohol, mental health issues Mm. in the workplace, which Mm -hmm. is a growing trend. Mm -hmm. Um, And also we do private treatment for individuals who are looking for, you know, fast, effective responses to particularly drug and alcohol problems. Now, the reason we are both, and technically it's what's called dual Mm -hmm. diagnosis, Mm -hmm. is that actually it's because... um, with dual diagnosis, it's a really quite often one part will dominate the other in terms of how you access public services, basically. Yeah. And it used to be we were one of the first dual diagnosis services in the country. Wow. And the reason for this, the pioneering, our medical director, Dr. Martin Weatherhead, uh, is a pioneering doctor based in Sunderland, he's a g- local GP. And um, part of this was in the old days, and um, sadly, it sort of much of this is the same now mm-hmm. you would be people wouldn't address the mental health problem till you see mm-hmm. the the drug problem sorted or the alcohol problem yeah and then you couldn't address the mental health problem until the drug or alcohol problem. so yeah people mm-hmm. caught in a catch-22 mm-hmm. and unfortunately we're seeing a much more of a return for this and a great demand for our services yeah which uh, we always have a thing uh, a statement unfortunately we, we always wish actually people wouldn't like need our services 
basically. Mm-hmm. But it's a growing need, and particularly in the workplace with changes in legislation around wellness and well-being, the well-being agenda coming in, but also around mental health and protections under the Equality Act. So yeah. it, all employers now have a duty of care to protect the mental health there. I think that's why that well, was my motivation to get you on the show, because I think workplace stigma is is, yeah. is in, being increasingly talked about and is probably the biggest challenge that we, we, we're talking about more, therefore it's it's out there and we're seeking to overcome. And your services are, is it, would it be fair to say like a niche? It's quite it's niche very, in, in tackling we're, we're, that? Or? I would suggest we're very, we deal with the complex, mm. okay? We deal with complex, we deal with quite responses. And I, I mean, I, I would say there's two things that I think it's really important to set uh, rather than, because this isn't, came on here, this isn't an, ad, an advert for our services. Mm-hmm. What we're genuinely interested in is, first of all, I think it's fabulous that you guys are sharing your personal history yeah. in this sort of thing. And the more people that talk about it, normalize it, then actually makes everybody's jobs, yeah. everybody's jobs. We'd like to think so, yeah. So, Thank but you for that. Too, yeah. I, I think it's a really important. Um, we, so, to, just to clarify context, because you might find this interesting is that when we first started this as a community project that was kind of something we spent a great deal of time thinking about because yeah. it's all because i mean fortunately you know i know ricky's like you know like we both have worked hard on being capable because it is hard to be open about it some of the time and sometimes you know you get a bit sick of talking about it but um we kind of did understand i guess it's it's a little bit of intelligence about the situation is to say if we're going to have people on to want them to be open it would it would be kind of silly, especially with our history of mental health issues, to be guarded about that because then that encourages guardedness for people who come on. Whereas if they see like the opening bit of me and Ricky talking about how we are and being incredibly open, it mm. sets a precedent for yeah. anyone to talk about it afterwards. You know, and I, and I think the 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 issue of actually helping to break down stigma, yeah, um, is probably the biggest thing that you know the most effective thing we can do. Yeah. Because then it opens up the further discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we work with a number of um, really good organisations. We always highly recommend the mental health first aid courses mm-hmm. that Mind Run mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we work very closely with uh, their sort of commercial arm, which is Be Wellbeing. They've mm-hmm. got a centre in Newcastle. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. uh, they're really worth talking to. So we're uh, and particularly next week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. So this, we're doing a number of um, sessions. We're doing at Newcastle Airport, for example. We're doing mm-hmm. uh, one at the Be Wellbeing Centre. And one of the issues, then the theme for this week, for this year, is about stress coping at work. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things, the reason people say, well, you're a drug and alcohol clinic, you know, what do you, where does this cross over? Yeah. Well, the reality is you're not going to be able to separate the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you see drugs, you see depression. Yeah. You see anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes... The drugs are used to either cover a pain, sometimes they reinforce or cause the problem. Mm-hmm. And there's trying to untangle that is where the skill lies. Exactly, yeah. So where you look, and really what we see, particularly in the, um, I can think of, we're very discreet, we don't talk about the companies that we work of with course, without yeah. express permission. Of course, example. yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting um, since we started doing this really um, we stepped purely into the private sector about a year ago mm-hmm. is that absolutely everybody who's um, come to us either sent by a company or paying for themselves has appear- basically um, attended showing uh, if for cocaine everyone's been on a, uh, on antidepressants 
cannabis in particular, everybody's been on, on anti, uh, antidepressants. Yeah. And particularly, I think there's an interesting, I'll be quite honest, and it's nice being a sort of independent private service. Yeah. Because actually we can be really just open about yeah, yeah. many things that other people mm. can't be. Yeah, yeah. of so course. So, for example, yeah. the whole debate around cannabis and legalisation is irrelevant, frankly, from our perspective. Yeah. What we're interested in, how does it impact on that individual? Mm-hmm. So you set your own guidelines in that sense? Yeah, yeah. so we do. Now, we, we actually exceed nice guidelines with mm-hmm. Department of Orange Health. Uh, the Department of Health Orange yeah. Book is our sort of Bible, yeah. basically. Yep. And it's we we are able to try different treatments and the different approaches mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help people mm-hmm. um, address their mental health in particular. Mm-hmm. If you, the drugs side and the alcohol side mm-hmm. on the whole is quite easy to do yeah. if you get the mental health right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is around the sort of things that you've been talking about yeah. around self-care yeah. and it's mm-hmm. around, you mentioned the reverse SAD. Yeah. That actually is, a, you know, it's been, it's it's starting to get recognised more. You heard but that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah have. Have. And what's interesting, and if you, if you suffer from SAD, for example, actually it's a very common thing to want to lock yourself away and, uh, you know, people think, thank God the traffic's down or the snow yeah. or this. Yeah. And you all sort of go into hibernation mode. Yeah. But actually there's some practical stuff by getting light boxes which have dropped in price and things like this. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot you can do around this, diet, nutrition, sleep. Um, There's a lot of expectations in in sort of what people are doing as a society. So Facebook is a classic example Mm -hmm. where people are obsessed. You spend your whole time on Facebook and all of us can fall into that trap of constantly Mm -hmm. checking. Mm -hmm. But actually what you've got to realise is what people are doing is portraying the best of their lives or what they yeah. are expecting it to be, or yeah. trying to present it as, whether that's intentional or unintentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it sets up these fake, sort of, uh, it's a false sense that people somewhere else are doing really exciting things and, and you're missing out. Yeah. Mm. And you see this particularly with young oh, people. I've seen this so many I times. Totally <laughs> related, <laughs> I totally relate <laughs> to this, by the way. Yeah, I'm not on Facebook anymore for that this, particular reason. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually what's really interesting. Yeah. We know one of the first things we advise when somebody comes in, mm-hmm. and it, frankly, what we always say is, in a way, okay, if you're an injector, you've got to put harm mm-hmm. in, in, you've got to arrange. I was talking to an injecting heroin user last night who phoned me in mm-hmm. a bit of crisis uh, quite late last night. Yeah. And one of the interesting things, really, it wasn't around, the issues weren't about heroin. Mm-hmm. The issue was around isolation and loneliness. Yeah. And people use, and when you look at how that compounds on self-worth, self-belief, etc., mm-hmm. that's the focus, I would believe, for that if you're going to look at education programs. Mm-hmm. It's actually about people having a sense of self-awareness, first of all, yep. mm-hmm. a sense of self-worth. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't honestly believe the education sector uh, system driven towards qualifications and uh, you, you must get this, you must go to university, these sort of approaches really help people at all no mm-hmm. and it puts on again another false sense of um mm-hmm. pressure yeah because most people and I've, I've yet i talk to chief execs i talk to managing directors we talk at all levels we talk to individuals people on the shop floor across the country basically and it's really interesting when you ask the question well actually all right take you're now the md a very successful chief exec of a certain company when you were 16 17 18 19 what did you want to do? Did you think you were going to end up doing this? Yeah. Was mm. this the career path mm. for you? And very rarely, 
Does anybody say yes? Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought that. It's, yeah. it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, unfortunately, we've got a lot of systems that are geared to pipelines and production lines and yeah. bring people through a sense of whether it's around, be it education, mm -hmm. be it the health system. Yeah. And you've got to remember, I'm a great believer in the NHS. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for mm. it. Yeah. And I, I do worry for it yeah. in, in what we see and what we've seen behind the scenes mm -hmm. and having worked with it and in it. Yes. Um, but what's really interesting is this whole issue around mental health, It's and you look at, it's never just one area. It's not just about throw some money now at the mental health trusts mm -hmm. to try and get the support. You've got to actually do the frontline staff work with uh, primary care. Yeah. So if you've got year-on-year real-time or real-term <laughs> cuts going into primary care, mm -hmm. then actually you're reducing the entrance points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way treatment budgets and drug and alcohol treatment budgets yeah. have been slashed mm -hmm. in this uh, since 2010, actually, Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when the, with the in introduction of what was called the recovery agenda. Mm -hmm. And actually what you've seen is a lot of they, the commissioning for those services moved into local authorities. Yeah. This is a national picture. Yep. Um, and on average, at least a third to sometimes two thirds of budgets have been cut. Yeah, from 2010 mm -hmm. figures. Yeah, it, just to, to clarify that we know about this is that um, uh, Alistair, who runs their uh, Launchpad. Um, which is one of the two charities that started this radio show um, and th that is essentially a recovery college and he I, I went to a lecture of his where he talked about how that came to be it's now moved like where did it move to Ricky by the way it's not moved yet oh, still. all right is it where is it now currently uh it's still to be, I think it's still being debated yeah I okay. met him last week and where did you meet him in Broad, it? it was in Broadacre. Oh, in Broadacre. Yeah. So anyway, well, there used to be in Broadacre House for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I went to a seminar of his talking about the Recovery College and why he started doing it, because they've been running for a good number of years now, uh, probably over 10 years, I would think. But um, he said originally the idea and him wanting to do it was because of all these people that they had an initiative, and you'll probably know this better than I do, but I'm just paraphrasing what he said, was that... Yeah. Um, recovery colleges it was like a recovery plan was the idea of like because as you eligently described is that you know with addiction it's not about stopping well it is obviously about stopping them not being addicted to the thing but why are they addicted to it in the first place is the Absolutely. key question yeah. it's not about getting them to stop it's to getting them to stop and never do it again but it's um, like when we it, had the we've had yeah. numerous no homelessness charities yeah we are and we've always said they always confirm that when it comes to addiction, there's often a mental health reason behind that's driving oh, yeah. addiction. Yeah. Oh. yeah, so anyway, so to finish the, my thought is that uh, with Alistair, he said that all the recovery um, I, like colleges that they had, I don't know if colleges is the right word that they mm. used, but that's what he used. But the idea was that they would have a recovery like center, essentially. And these people, like drug and alcohol abusers in particular, someone with like a type of addiction, like they take something, I'm guessing, they would go to these places and they it would be like a long-term care plan outside of them getting just like mm -hmm. emergency treatment or mm -hmm. just being assessed at the hospital. It'd be like they'd have somewhere to go. And he said about you know I, this was a long time ago so i don't know the exact figures i'm sure he would tell us but he would basically like a, a lot of them principles and ideas they they lasted like six months and then they folded because they didn't know how to implement them and he said basically a lot of people and he was involved in that process when they were just like it got micromanaged to death and then he said well the only way we can do it is that he gets like a, a fraction of money off the council but he's like 
they work on a really limited budget to provide a whole ton of grassroots stuff. And um, so absolutely, yeah. no, I, and I think this is a really important point that you've made. Yeah. Because one of the problems, the, there's two points I would make on this, and, okay. uh, and actually this might sound a little bit controversial within Recovery Network. Yes. The first of all is there's a huge amount of really good support, the really good work. People get well by working with people they trust and yeah. who they can relate to. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. NICE did some uh, work around the what was the key points on actually helping people get well uh, across all sorts of treatments. Yeah. And particularly with mental health, this works. And the key point is the relationship you have with your therapist, your mm-hmm. worker, mm-hmm. etc. Yep. So if you turn up for an appointment and you're sent away because you're five minutes late, mm-hmm. if you turn up and somebody is clearly not interested in what you're saying to them, yeah. mm-hmm. how would you expect somebody to get well? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, I would just say, flag that as a you've got to like people. Yeah, is the fundamental yeah. thing. And if you don't, you shouldn't be working in this sector. Yeah, as yeah. simple as that. Mm-hmm. Now, the where the real strength of recovery networks come is in particularly those grassroots uh, energizers because there's a lot of people to who want to put something back. They also want to sustain in a different way without being. A number going through services. Yes. Right? Now, this is yeah. a really yeah. point, important point. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things where I suppose we're quite unique is around we've done a lot of work of there's a, and government policy is the one that's dri- driven this over a number of governments. Mm-hmm is that there's a huge focus on things like illicit drugs. So it's illicit. We've got, society's got a, a very strange mindset. Mm-hmm. We think that, okay, cannabis, cocaine, heroin, all these sort of things, bad drugs. Of course they are, and they can be, right? Yeah. And then on this hand, you know, uh, tramadol, cocodamol, codeine, <laughs> uh, pregabalin, gabapentin, good drugs. <laughs> now, the bottom line is they're drugs. There's no ethical statement against either of them. Yeah. The mm. issue is how you use them, what do, what attachment you end mm. up having mm. to them, yeah. and more importantly, how it impacts on your life. Absolutely. So if your focus is the drug, you're missing the point. Yes. Now, the good thing that most recovery centres and recovery organisations we, we've worked with over the past and we're aware of, and we've, we've worked with quite a few around the country, mm-hmm. is actually their focus isn't that necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right? It's on the individual. Mm-hmm. Where I would suggest that there is a great, where you get a greater impact, and it's a time thing, it's not ruining one or the other, it's about melding the two, is actually people get sort of sustain wellness whatever mm-hmm. that might mm-hmm. be yeah mm-hmm. actually by normalizing into society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so our approach with i'll give you without mentioning names somebody we're working with recently one of their real key points was a professional um who um came and stuck problem with alcohol for example really what the issue underlined was and you would never know it from the profession were was very severe depression mm-hmm. you've got huge self-esteem issues mm-hmm. and actually the way we've worked with him is and and it's it's really worked he's been abstinent now for i think it must be about seven months now mm-hmm. good so it's early days yeah for, uh, very early days yeah, yeah but the real point and there's ongoing support through this now what really helped him is he's experimented with by looking into martial arts for example yeah right and what he's looking into is going into the uh, stand-up comedy circuit mm. because actually he didn't have the self-esteem so we're building the self-esteem mm. for the individual mm. does that does this make sense yeah now, of course yeah that seems like not, stepping stones in a way it then, does yeah. but yeah. what wouldn't help him and wouldn't suit him yeah is going to an alcohol meeting yeah 
Mm. Yeah. So there's horses for courses. And yeah. The real point I think you can say there is no there's no magic bullet. Yeah. Everybody's individual, so mm -hmm. why would you only have one approach? Yes. Now, <laughs> no size fits all. So, so, so yeah. Absolutely, and and if you look at your own experiences, mm. they're totally different. Yeah. You yeah, can yeah. share certain examples, yeah. but yeah, what yeah. worked for you yeah. won't necessarily exactly, work for you yeah. and vice versa. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Something we, I always preached as well. Yeah, we always we always see on this show. It's like um, I, I always use my bipolar disorder as a good example of this. Is that if I had like. You can put any number of value you want on it, but let's for argument's sake say I have a thousand people with bipolar disorder yeah. in the room and I'm one of them. You chance there's a very likelihood chance of like you'll have similarities, like you say, but it fundamentally won't be that you'll find someone with exactly the same yeah, yeah. therapeutic techniques or whatever it may be. Because um I can tell you a good example from my own experience when you were talking about going to meetings or something like that. I found going to and I wrote a blog about this that I got criticized about. But obviously I was expecting that to happen because I thought I'm going to say this because I actually generally believe this to be true. I just said from my point of view, I find going to like meetings where everybody has the same illness as you a little self-defeating, or at least it did in my opinion, mm -hmm. because you usually find in their meetings it's all about like as well because the point that you raised about self-esteem I think is a really, really significant one because you find that the person who is more like, uh, how, how to phrase this, like who is more inclined to talk about their problems like overbears the the group and it's always about one person letting off steam and not the whole group and it's really hard to like get a, a situation in where you get like you know like a bit like alcohol i guess alcoholic anonymous has kind of looked that way where like well now this person's going to tell their story then this person whereas if you get like a group with a particular disorder mental health related type thing is usually you find like one person overbears them because they're comfortable expressing it whereas you'll get a person who's going to that meeting what if the person i guess i'm talking about different personalities and how you how you handle it yeah yeah it is and yeah. i think the key point with these sort of issues is yeah. it comes down to as always about the skill of the person who's leading that group yes exactly now, yeah if see one of the again with budget cuts one of the problems that happened with uh, being mental health services and others in many ways that a lot of very skilled people left the basically because they were too expensive yes so people shed staff etc and i've not once not in this region mm -hmm. i know one service lost four out of five professionally qualified staff yeah and replaced with volunteers and this sort of approach mm -hmm. now there's a place for everyone mm -hmm. in this because we're all dealing with so many multifaceted different mm -hmm. approaches yeah but the reality here is and and something i think we've got to acknowledge and we should pass on our condolences is is to the family of Scott, um, <coughs> probably Hutchinson from A Frightened Rabbit, the indie band. Who I heard, oh, yeah. I heard that band his, news this he, morning, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, they found a body and it's likely to be his. Yeah, yeah. So that's the reality of what you're dealing with, okay? And so when you're looking at those individual sort of situations, mm -hmm. you can't just have a, a block approach yeah. coming in. And those groups, for some people, it really works well, and it will keep them going forever. Mm -hmm. That peer support is the strongest bit. Yeah. Of it. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. If there was a challenge, we've run twelve-step groups. We used, we've done uh, recovery dynamics approaches. We strip out. There's uh, some are run on a very uh, usually a Christian basis. Some okay. are very run on that ground. Yeah, yeah. That suits some, mm -hmm. you know, but it doesn't suit others. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people will. Um, you get huge benefit from that. Mm -hmm. The question we always ask, though, is actually, 
and what you've got to be so careful about is transferring any dependence in, from a mental health perspective or from an addiction, mm -hmm. you know, a relationship mm -hmm. uh, uh, attachment side to another thing that in effect can yeah. be... Yeah, um, a positive, yeah. a positive so uh, attachment. Yeah, best, I'll give you an example of the best bit of recovery mm -hmm. we came, uh, we came. Across. Well, I, would, I, I was just Sorry, going to ask you to hold that thought because are you are you pressed for time? At no, all? no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, because um, we, it's hit the hour now, and I need to play ads. But if you want to stay for a little bit longer, you're more Very than welcome happy. to. Um, great. Well, what we'll do now then is we'll just play ads on the hour because what we're going to do is mental health news, but we'll crowbar that in while we talk to you if that's all right. Yeah. Um, so is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it's a fun, fascinating talk. I mean, we're not, we're not even started <laughs> more to talk about um, so yeah I was going to play some ads now because it's on the top of the hour we're here till 2pm obviously if this is your first time listening here on Mentally Sound on Spice FM 98.8 FM so we're going to play More more Than A Woman by Tavares how do you say that Tavares 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 something like that you'll recognise the song when I play it oh I know the and, yeah, song I just yeah yeah, yeah and we'll yeah. play some ads and we'll be right back here on Mentally Sound on 98.8 FM Spice FM right after this 24 hours a day 7 days a week Spice FM 98.8 FM मैं निकला ओ गड्डी लेके ओ नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी ओ वेखी अमड़िया मेरी नवी गड्डी वाह चाचा एनी वधिया नवी गड्डी किथो तू लेके आया ओ किस्ता ते लईया जस्सी ते क्रिस ने अपनी नवी कंपनी खोली या फाइनेंस कंपनी मैं उना को गया और उना ने गल कीती उना ने मेनू रंगे रोवर देती ओ चाचा पर तेरा ता रिकॉर्ड ही इतना माड़ा वा ओ कोई गल नहीं तू जाके उना ने गल कर ओ सारेया नु क्रेडिट लेके दे सकते नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी नवी गड्डी चाचा रंगे रोवर नहीं Range Rover. Acha, bolle bolle. If you've been refused car credit, then come and see our finance team at WeFinanceYouForMore.com. Call Jesse on 0800 917 Visit our Scotswood Road showroom or log on at WeFinanceYouForMore.com. The Glasses Factory stocks men's, ladies and kids' glasses in the biggest brands like Armani, Ray-Ban and Police to name but a few. Why not take advantage of the Glasses Factory two-for-one offers from £60? See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191-273-8460. Log on at glassesfactory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. Of the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
Everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on 98.8 FM Spice FM. Thank you so much for tuning in to us on this rather delightful May the 11th show. Um, having a really, really great time. Like we, we, we essentially, as we were just playing the uh, all the stuff there um, for ads and whatnot, we were just continuing our discussion <laughs> with John. It was really exciting. Um, uh, I think we've just had a guest walked in who's our last guest. So. Uh, she's due at half past, so we've got plenty of time. Um, but yeah, so uh, just let everybody know that this part of the show, which we're going to include John in, which is what we were just talking about, is mental health news. So what essentially happens is uh, my good friend Ricky, the co-host, um, does three or so headlines. That's what's happened in the last two weeks that we've been off the air. And then we would we discuss about that openly. And obviously we've asked John because we had such a good time talking to him. And we'll ask John stuff in between. But we're going to do this for the next 20 minutes or so. And uh, we'll just talk about the news. And uh, feel free, yeah. offer your opinion, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, and, I, and, and as just to clarify, I, I know it's a bit like... Um, what is it like Darren Brown or something no actors or studios were used <laughs> in the making of the show um, I know nothing about the show it's not this is not pre-planned although um, you know some of the jokes we do are, <laughs> you know isn't that right Ricky yes <laughs> thank you I can see how polished yeah. you guys are <laughs> well we just like playing around with we like playing around with the idea of like um, it all being script based because like obviously we know who people are whatever but I, I just I get very you know, he's like, you know, like you go right, and now we're going to do mental health news. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're the Vicky Town. Anyway, we don't have a we don't have a jingle, but I was going to do the oh. whole like it's all Vicky Town on Spice FM <laughs> with Ricky. 
Go for it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. First headline. So of what, the show. what it is for for this week? I've got two headlines, and uh, with with next week being Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes, uh, I've been asked Good very kindly to read off a few events. So All right, please do. Of, uh, please do. Well, how about you do that last then? About oh, oh actually, no, uh, maybe do it first. Actually, Should I do it first? yeah, if you do it first, then we can discuss stuff. Okay. So, if you want to mention some events, that's kind of cool. Okay. So, our, our friends, uh, very good friends at Launchpad, um, they've created a list through a lot of groups, particularly around North Tyneside Way, which is where you're your base, aren't you? Yes, yeah. correct. So, majority of these are, are stationed around there. So, I mean, there's absolutely loads of things going on. But what I've did is is to like for each day, I've picked out one or two. So mm-hmm. we let people know what's what's happening. Yeah, sure. So. Go ahead. Yeah. So starting Monday the fourteenth, um, Age UK have uh, a bereavement and loss workshop uh, mm-hmm. that's going on at the Care Academy. Oh, that's cool. And that's on at ten uh, ten thirty in the morning till one one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Care Academy in Whitley Bay. That's going on there. Uh, Tuesday the fifteenth, uh, rape crisis, Tyneside, Northumberland. Okay. Uh, they've got the uh, well, well actually what it is I think that's an open thing they're having on that day so it's a helpline and email support right. and uh, you can email it at email support at rctn.org.uk right. uh, the number is 0800 035 2794 uh, right. the next day on the wedding is, is, uh, is this a, I think this is a Tuesday as well oh yeah so Cruise Bremen uh, have a coffee drop in Great. That's at Colour Coats Coffee. Uh, if you want to get involved with that, email at admin.time at cruiseoffice.org.uk. The number for that is 07885774279. Uh, Wednesday the 16th, they've got the uh, Peer Talk Peer Support Group. That's at uh, Whitley Bay's Big Local. Uh, mm-hmm. Contact Rosa at rosa at peertalk.org.uk. Great. Uh, the Thursday the 17th is Mindful Gardening we've talked about gardening oh yeah. Show, yeah that's really cool yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah I must remember because we, we talked about this uh, while we were doing the thing so I, we'll talk about that and then we'll do the headlines is mm-hmm. the, I just wanted to touch on before I forget the whole thing about uh, replacing what you're addicted to oh, to something that's good because yeah. I think that's a really good thing to talk about I think but with anyway. gardening we, yeah. we discovered that there's something uh, the benefit of that is it's like you know when you're planting a seed and watching it grow it's yeah. like it, you know that what that does to some mm-hmm. to somebody when it replaces their trauma and that's yeah because I know yeah. the refugee centre did something that with people you know yeah. come from war torn areas because yeah. you just suddenly remember do you remember it hope makes John, this John make John laugh as much as it would did us but when we first got told there was a there was a charity that came on and talked about that said that literally they go and like help gardening with somebody yeah. and for whatever reason without us even knowing we started doing pun related gardening oh, stuff yeah. so we kept. <laughs> going like well we hope that that grows to be what you and it flowers into <laughs> and we were just and I'm yeah. going we we're generally not saying this to be uh, annoying yeah. like we were just you we know what it was though that, yeah. because prior to, to the last coming on we played um, the seal song Kiss from a Rose oh, yeah. and I was like oh fantastic segue <laughs> but, but you know what's really important here as well is I don't think you people can't be too precious around language yeah. and on this sort of stuff yeah. and people have to be able to define themselves and and, and what's funny yeah and funny the best thing we do we always try and get people laughing the best medicine laughing, yeah best absolutely medicine. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of other things you know physical activity all that but I think gardening is a brilliant one because you're creating if you look mm. at the experience high profile Monty Don yeah if you look at what's sort of really been his recovery yeah yeah it, it, I love that do show you think I love that show because <laughs> gardening for a while has always been seen as a, a British thing and I know that recent studies have found out that being amongst 
green greenery, countryside, nature benefits and one's mental well-being. Do you think that explains why gardening is such a, a big thing in this country? It doesn't seem to... You don't see it in other countries as much. Well, I, 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 it depends on where you go. Mm-hmm. And whether If you look at some of the gardens in the Middle East and courtyard gardens and things like mm. that, if you look in India, the old Raj... Uh, sorry, yeah. the, the Raj's gardens mm-hmm. and things like that, it was a fascinating stuff. Yeah. But I think the key thing with gardening, as it is with, be it walking, or if you're doing martial arts, if you're doing kung fu or whatever it might be... Mm-hmm. We define these because I practice um, Kung Fu and mm-hmm. the it's basically moving meditation yeah. and it's moving mindfulness yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you're focusing on one point for that one moment and you're absorbed in it and you're actually, nothing else exists around you. Yeah, yeah. That actually is the thing that gives you, it mm-hmm. reduces stress levels, hormones, cortisol, all of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It actually gives you something to focus on. I always yeah. looked at nature as my own spirituality yeah. in a way. If, if I was at in, being in the Himalayas where I've been or the highlands up in Scotland, or even in my backyard, yeah. I get that same sort of feeling. You know, Do I, you, I don't necessarily look at the heavens, but to me that nature is my own spirituality. It is, and I think the other point is it's the opposite mm-hmm. of where one of the things and one of the things I wish more services would do, and this is where recovery networks are so helpful. Yeah. yeah. When somebody disappears and they don't attend services or they don't attend their appointments, there's very few services that will actually go out and find them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we do, for example. But, yeah. But, you know, there's a specific reason for that, and we work on some interesting cases at the moment. Yeah. But actually being somebody just knocking on that door mm-hmm. and not letting somebody, unless they really want to be, yeah. you know, because you can't force people. But actually the sense of being outside... When you're outside, you're outside of yourself mm-hmm. as well. Mm. And that's the really in, in, important thing of being involved with people. Actually, interaction with people is so important. Yeah. Just very quickly on that, I saw yeah. this brilliant tweet um, in the last few days, um, similar to what you just said. And, and time to change it, put something on the back of beer coasters, like beer mats and yeah. pubs. And it said, uh, hope, so, so it went along the lines of, hope you all are enjoying having this drink amongst friends, but is, is, there, one of, is there one person there that's missing? And has he missed a few others? Absolutely. Is it worth knocking on his door or giving him a ring to make sure he's all, sure, right? all right? And yeah, and, uh, yeah just, just... It's really obvious stuff when you think. And it's, yeah, exactly. And we yeah. see it a lot in the workplace yeah. mm-hmm. where people say, well, they haven't been in for two months. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certificated. Well, has anybody popped around seeing them? Yeah. Are they okay? Mm-hmm. What's the reason? Oh, it's unspecified. Mm-hmm. The, there's lots of triggers, in particular yeah. around medication, yeah, yeah. etc. But yeah, yeah, because um, I, I think it's so relevant to you say about distracting the brain is because you know if we took depression as an example, which I talk about openly that my mom's going through a particularly bad time at the minute. Uh, she's got a lot better recently, but I think it's just the, what ultimately it is is that my mom's distraction for her entire life was our children because she was yeah. a housewife. Yeah. So the idea of, like, once I, I moved out a few years ago and, like, she dealt with things because she's uh, got Parkinson's, so she goes to a lot of Parkinson UK things. But obviously as her body deteriorates because of Parkinson's, she can only she can go to less things. So all she does which is something she can work on and it's getting her to understand she can work on this but just to be wallowed in our own negativity yeah. um, because Absolutely. she doesn't know what to, to do to distract herself whereas um, I talked about on this show which is a good example of this because I was talking to John in the break uh, when we were off air about being a geek and I was telling a story about that and um, there was a in one of the headlines because there's a segue to Mental Health News um, Ricky mentioned a few shows ago that um, video game 
syndrome or something. I don't know what it was yeah. called, but it was the World become, Health it, it, Organization. It, yes. it classified it as a yes, as, as a, a legitimate yeah, addiction. Yeah. And I and Ricky was laughing because he knew that I would strongly defend it. And I just said exactly what we said about any illness, any drug, like you said earlier about about you know classifying drugs or whatever it is. It's all about moderation. Yeah. It's all about how much you have and how much it affects your life. Um, I would add to the the key point with this, and be it drugs, alcohol, gaming, be it uh, sex addiction, porn addiction, be it gambling, Mm -hmm. it's there's certain physical reactions to it. So what is happening in terms of the neuro, you know, where are the neurons flying around Mm -hmm. and which receptors are they hitting and where the pleasure receptors are and all that sort of stuff. But the real point is then what the attachment is to yeah, that. Exactly. And, yeah. it, you know, when you hear of, in particularly read these stories from Japan and people are shut in for literally days on end. Yeah, of course. And yeah. There was something about somebody, um, the level of nutrition mm-hmm. amongst gamers apparently was. Is, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But see, again, the, again, I'll flag this. And cannabis is a really good example of this. Yeah. People take cannabis because they're feeling stressed Mm -hmm. or they're feeling upset or it helps them chill out. Yes. That in itself then triggers firing around the neurons. So the only way you can relax (laughs) is by doing (laughs) this. And actually what you're doing is breaking those behaviors Mm -hmm. and that creates a void. You've got to fill that void with exactly what you you flagged up earlier about something in a positive way that's going to help people, we would say, reach their own potential, whatever that Mm -hmm. may be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's really important. If there's one message I would like to put in, is there's therapy. We call it therapeutic optimism. Yeah, you know, everybody has the opportunity mm-hmm. to find the best they can be for themselves, yeah. not for anyone else. Exactly. Yeah, and that's where this really fits in. So, yeah. if you enjoy gaming, game. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can see all these mothers going, "Ah, oh, you spend too long on that." Well, actually, if that's what people enjoy, and that's the one mechanism for it, yeah. So long as the attachment, that's the only way they can function. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, like, I regard it as, because to me, the way I described it when Ricky brought it up was that I I just said, I I look at gaming in the following way, is that it reinforces, it's great for me because it reinforces whatever mood I'm in to be, like, a common one. And what I mean is that if I've had a particularly bad day, I go home and I'll play a game that's, like, relaxing not like stressful it'll be something where i just do something just silly and and, and mundane uh but if i've had a really really good day and i and uh, i go back i'll play a game anyway to reinforce the good day that i've already had mm. because it's it's a mechanism for me it's my common mechanism for it's it's my me time essentially yeah. because i'm a very sociable person for the most part so if i'm with my girlfriend or something i don't game at all or whether with them friends i don't game at all so it is my um calming down period of like yeah. it's my me time and because i've got bipolar disorder which makes my brain overthink it is a really good common mechanism for me because with games as silly as this is going to sound i've told, told this to ricky all the time if you don't concentrate on games you're not very good yeah so by forcing your brain to concentrate on that it stops all the random thoughts that i have a lot more easier so it's not about um the quantity that i have it is like you just said it's what it it, i have a life outside of it so it reinforces everything in a positive way but when you're playing and this is the key point yeah you're completely absorbed in that yeah exactly yeah you're actually in the moment yes and you could argue that's another form of mindfulness yes of course it is yeah um, you know Mm -hmm. i've realized that as i got older yeah 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 yeah, definitely yeah 
Anyway, right, so we'll do so some headlines now because um, Well, just to finish that week <laughs> off of activities, yes. so we mentioned Mindful Gardening, and that's a, on Waterville Road. If you want to get involved with that, ring 01913410033. Great. Uh, the following day on the Friday, it's a mental health support at the YMCA, which I know you were involved with, YMCA. Yeah, you? yeah. Uh, so that's at um, Churchway. Uh, is ah. that in Wolves End? Is it? Uh, Churchway. Uh, that rings a bell. But I don't, I don't have anything written, so I'm assuming it's around yeah. there. If you want to get involved, uh, contact uh, a colleague of mine, Beth. She's at bethlaunchpadnt at gmail.com. Uh, Saturday, we've got a picnic in the park. It's a bandstand at Northumberland cool. Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on at 2 p.m. If you want to get involved, contact Laura on 07944213776. And last but no means least, on the Sunday, and um, this is something that I think Mentally Sound will be getting involved with because it involves with my colleagues at... Um, Psychologists against austerity, uh, problem solving booths, right? And this is this is happening at uh, Killercoat Speech. I know, yeah. Killercoat Speech uh, on the Sunday. That's from eleven till three. And to give you some background onto this, um, this is an idea that I think was originated down by a group, a mental health initiative down south by a group called Owls. Uh, use it, yeah, involving uh, um, uh, Camden Council and, and, and other groups and so on. But ba- the basic gist of it is very simple. You set, you put, place two chairs. Uh, yeah. You have someone who's a helper, and you have another one who's the helped. That's yeah. how they bookmarked it. That's cool. And it's basically randomly, it's helping you open up to strangers, but in a good way. It empowers your way of talk, opening up to people. And it could be as little as as two minutes. Could be as long as maybe I don't know, fifteen, twenty minutes, like the interviews we have mm. over here. And anything on your mind that you want to get off your chest is yeah. there for you to to, to de-stress. Uh, so yeah. that's happening on the on the on the beach on the Sunday, and uh, we hope to be there as well. Great. And it's basically just normalising, uh, thinking how how we talk to people. I know that you know it's it's essentially like. You know, all charities have like coffee mornings, that sort of thing. Break, not breaking bread, but breaking a biscuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is going on out, outside in nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were starting down the road of bad puns again. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. We're going to crumble down the. Uh, <laughs> going to break apart Can I just the bread two of life. Things, uh, yeah. Two suggestions. Yeah, sure. We're, I think it might be sold out or nearly sold out, but uh, be the Wellbeing Centre in Newcastle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, part of mind there. Um, I'm actually speaking at that uh, for a word, doing some work particularly around coping with stress in the workplace. Uh-huh. Um, all funds go to, it's a paid for event, but they, I think it's just about sold out. You might okay. be quick if you get a ticket or two. Um, but all funds go to Mind to continue the good Brilliant. work that they do. Is there yeah, a website yeah. then go for that? Um, yeah, the best is go on to Eventbrite. And actually, it's the go for be the well-being stress in the workplace. Okay, you'll find it there. The other thing I would urge, and this is a really, it doesn't have to be a big event. Mm -hmm. Every workplace could be pulling off information on, you know, signposting, opening up the discussion. Every school could be raising it in their assemblies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the mornings, just saying about it's this week, that week, etc. There's loads of great resources online. Just Google it yourself. It's, It's that simple. Yeah, that's the huge advantage of. I know that we say about social media, and we had a, that interview, uh, the interview we did with the MP earlier about the negative aspects of social media, or like I guess the internet in a more wider context. Mm-hmm. But it's great the information that is available yeah. by you just search, search engine something. It's like it's with quite everything, brilliant. Good, it's good and bad and everything. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to do some quick fire headlines? We've got five minutes, and then obviously I don't want okay. to keep uh, Sarah waiting too long. So apologies, but. 
things you have to do in radio. <laughs> so <laughs> this relates to one of the stu- one of the events that I mentioned off, but mm-hmm. um, going back to mindfulness and gardening again. Okay. So um, Brixton Fibre Grade down in London, uh, they've got their own um, uh, what they, they've got their own little garden space which they use to help colleagues unwind, reflect, and de-stress. I oh, imagine nice. there's people in certain trades. I mean, imagine you're being a fireman. Imagine a trauma. Yeah. You think of like Grenfell and what the the, the firemen have got yeah, to go yeah. through that. So what they've done is they've got their own little urban space, their own little garden. Oh, right. So it's That's it's really whereas good. you know I guess a lot of workspaces have like um, they have segregated spaces, don't they? It's so they've got a garden essentially in the yeah. middle of yeah. a suburban environment where it's essentially de- it's like a debrief garden because yeah. uh, we mm-hmm. we talked endlessly about debriefing because I used to work as a, a sort of social worker basically, right, okay. and um, we we talked about this quite a lot because i got given research once in an event where there was an independent study done on social work mm. and again it's like budget cuts we talked about the M- with the mp with early on the show was that unfortunately the first thing that goes is usually stuff that is well-being for the actual workers who are providing the care to for the well-being people and it's like how ridiculous can you get because so i talked about on the show after i heard about that like the idea of debriefing is that if you do get a child for example who tells that tells you that who's 14 has got a a drug problem that obviously is a traumatic thing to hear and you have to have this professional outlook of it doesn't bother you so what protocol is when your day is done you talk to your manager or Mm. superior the the the, your immediate superior just an for an hour after work or something which should be paid i'm strong believer in it should be paid because it's part of your job um in that yeah you should sit down and say this is what happened and how do you feel about it on that point which is why i'm glad you're here john because um as i said before one of the reasons why i think what you it's great what you do it's 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 encouraging to to listen that more and more companies are becoming aware of workplace stigma and therefore approaching you guys to help come in and I don't know, create, create an environment where people can open up. And yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I think what's really important, I'll, I'll, I'll flag two really, because we haven't even touched on veterans. In well, we've had veterans on the show a few times. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's an interesting one because so much work still needs to be done, but it's a, I'll just make a very quick point. There's a fabulous yeah, yeah. organisation called Forward Assist. Um, which yeah, I know with, about them. You yeah. know about yeah, them, yeah. and they're, they're really good to people to tie up with. But what's really interesting is, and be it with people in the fire services, police, people who are dealing Mm. with trauma, who have seen trauma, or have been part of a very strong team. Mm -hmm. And then when they leave, they're no longer part of that. They haven't got that connectedness. Yeah, very good point. Now, it doesn't have to be PTSD. It doesn't have to be about an incident it's about also relational around yeah. how that the absence of that connection. the trauma or something changing does that make the dramatic sense? change so yeah. I would flag yeah. that yeah. that's a good point because, yeah. and there's some fabulous programs Titan and Weir uh, Fire Service mm-hmm. have some really good problems uh, sorry really good programs and mm-hmm. uh, support around PTSD and from mm-hmm. for the team so good for well, it's worth mentioning that, that sort of with, the, with the story I'd re- yeah, read yeah. out that it's all part of Mind Blue Light program which, it, yeah. which is a fabulous it is, yeah. uh, great. particularly great. in emer- program, really. emergency services particularly absolutely yeah. Yeah. great right. you see a lot of trauma uh, quick Got, you said two headlines, so you got to quickly well, do the last one. Quickly, uh, yeah. okay, in Nottingham, the, you know, the, the world's first homeless vending machine. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> No, that's... Well, oh, Ricky, you've got my attention. <laughs> it sounds great, but unfortunately yeah. it follows up with a bit of sad news. And okay. Unfortunately, it, it was a scheme set up, but now it's been removed. Oh. Um, so it was in the centre of Nottingham. It was installed back in uh, December as part of a trial uh, 
providing 24 access for food, hygiene, clothing, products. So it wasn't just food and drink. It's it's it's, it's all essential services right. basically for. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say now. But. Um, yeah, but you know, not just that. Things nutrition wise, so they had like fresh fruit, energy bars, that kind of thing, as well as you know, crisps, chocolate, whatever. Um, it was an initiative by Action Hunger, which is a group that the charity which helped put this up. Um, and it was actually endorsed, by the way, by the late great Stephen Hawking. Um, oh, right. He, he was one of the last things he endorsed before oh, okay. he suddenly passed. But uh, and the homeless people were actually given the it was it was machine activated. They were given like a key card. Yeah, yeah. So they get to tap yeah. in and, and get their what what their essential needs. But unfortunately, Nottingham Nottingham Council put put an end to it. Say, although it's well meaning and well, you know well informed and that sort of thing, but uh, it just led to complex problems and. I think people are just taking advantage, but I hope what, I, what my conclusion was that I hope this doesn't mean that it's the end to this sort of thing. That okay, yeah. it, it was an in project that sounded yeah. great. It doesn't turn into well, we tried. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is the problem. If you look at the fines that have been brought in for homelessness, yeah. which is just mm-hmm. criminal. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's obscene. Yeah, that you're penalising mm-hmm. people who have nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the demonisation on that. If you look at mental health statistics for those for those groups. Actually, all you're doing is reinforcing the problem. Absolutely, mm-hmm. good, good, good point. End on, yeah, right. So, um, huge thank you, John, for staying for so That's long. You're here for like, pleasure. yeah, thank you very much. Um, we need Could to stop. come on um, again. We'd love to have you back. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, because they asked me to play some ads at half hour, um, so I'm going to do that. Um, but all of these me to say for John, um, because obviously you're here for recovery for a life. I know yeah. you said you're not using this as a plug or anything, which is very grateful for you to give us the time anyway. But um, is there anything you want people to mention from your organisation? There's stuff going on. Yeah, you well, want there's loads. I mean, what I would suggest in particular there's a strong commercial i mean there's a, we've talked very much about what should be done yeah why it should be done etc there's also a very strong commercial reason why you you know employers particularly need to support their staff loss and that's lost it work, yeah. absenteeism yeah. presenteeism loss of productivity yeah. but also um you're walking people are walking into I've um, I've, I've had discrimination in the workplace myself which is why i'm I, and, so this is, and, and look at the impact that had on you yeah and the point is, with the le- legislation has changed, mm-hmm. it, there is the, this duty of care issue mm-hmm. needs to be done, and it needs to be done properly. Mm-hmm. So please get in touch if we can help. You yeah. can find us at www.recoveryforlife.co.uk. I know yeah, you're on Twitter, and Twitter and Facebook as well. We're on Twitter, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, or if you're on LinkedIn, please get in touch. Okay. So yeah, the number four. It's the number four. So it's recovery number four. Uh, life. Um, great. Thank thanks you so much, guys. John. That was a real pleasure. pleasure. John, yes, thank thanks. You. Right, cool. So, as I say, um, Sana is waiting very patiently. She's here from uh, Victims First North- Northumbria. So, we're going to talk to her next. We're just going to play some ads right now. A uh, huge thank you to John and to. It was Catherine, wasn't it? Yeah. Catherine, Catherine, yeah. I'm terrible with my names. Yeah, Catherine, that was a great interview as well. Like, um, So, yeah, so we're going to take a break now here on Mentally Sound, right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM, and we'll be right back after these messages. For the community, by the community. Spice FM. 98.8 FM Newcastle Miller 2018 25th year anniversary The biggest multicultural festival on Tyneside Bigger and better than ever before Taking place on Sunday the 26th and Monday the 27th of August Bank Holiday Weekend at the Exhibition Park Newcastle City Centre For more information log on at newcastlemiller.co.uk or search us out on Facebook Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. 
Saturday, 5th of May, 7 p.m., Morpeth Town Hall. Performing live, music from Bollywood and Pakistan, including three-course authentic meal, Infinity Band UK. Bring your family and friends. For tickets, call 07714986517 or on Facebook at Infinity Band UK. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Mohtaram Khawatinu Hazrat رمضان المبارک کے بابرکت مہینے میں سپائس ایف ایم ریڈیو نے اپنی خصوصی نشریات کا احتمام کیا ہے ہر روز پیش کی جانے والی ازانوں رمضان سپیشل پروگرام کی سپانسرشپ اور اپنے کاروباری اشتہارات کے لیے ٹیلی فون نمبر 07917678413 پر رابطہ کیجئے یا ای میل کیجئے ایڈورٹائز ایٹ سپائس ایف ایم ڈاٹ کو ڈاٹ یو کے Sick of the same old radio sound? <sighs> Then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. There's something about you, girl 
song uh need you tonight um and i need you all tonight quite frankly my <laughs> mental health is just <laughs> um i'm sorry i don't know what else to say um this is, your, like, this is not your own podcast right? yeah yeah so i need you all really quite frankly no i'm having a really great time this is such a such a great show if you yeah. just tuned in this is mentally sound uh, we're here every second and fourth friday of every month here on spice fm 12 till 2 p.m so we're here for the next 20 minutes or so uh, we've got a guest waiting very patiently who's listening to the last interview who's thank you to john who's sticking around to listen to this and to Catherine. we've basically non-stop had a guest on the show which has been really fun because um, it makes it far more interesting I mean me and Ricky obviously enjoy talking and whatnot, but um, I think it gives a nice flow to it they were just like next person on next person on um, so I hope you guys are enjoying it just as much as we are if you want to just talk to us on the social medias because I currently have no way of reading on the air but obviously we'll chat to you afterwards if you so desire I'm at geek underscore apocalypse or actual t- uh, Twitter for the show is at underscore mentally sound and Ricky is at vivid Ricky um, so if you want to discuss you can also either go of us, on mentally sound's uh, Facebook yes, page yes Facebook yeah. page which I do know obviously because as I talked to John about I'm not on Facebook anymore <laughs> don't hate don't like it uh, for that very reason but uh, yeah that was another discussion we, we could have went on to about social media because um, I do agree with the premise of like it's all about people's um, like little snippets of like all the joy was it your interview or maybe it was Catherine's I can't quite remember but it was yours yeah um but yeah so just it's the idea of like you only ever see snippets of all the great things people are doing and like mm-hmm. um it that's what's sort of encouraged um well that was an interesting uh, interesting thought for another day I guess but as I said so very patiently she's been waiting for the the last interview um is it Sana am I saying that right Sana yes, yes um and she's here from Victims First Northumbria um which is great because as Ricky was touching on during the break we've been wanting to get um somebody from the like sort of victims unit yeah. essentially for, on the show so i'm really pleased to have you on welcome well, to the show thank you very much for having me great so i mean it sounds like i mean obviously it's uh, it's i'm sure there'll be connotations for people who are listening that of what a victim's first and the frumbria is but for your point of view and i guess what you what you do particularly is you could could you describe to us what it is that you do Right, Victims First Northumbria is a charity which has been set up by uh, Police and Crime Commissioner Vera Beard in 2015. So Mm -hmm. we are pretty new. Mm -hmm. Um, um, It's our third year. Um, And the whole idea behind Victims First Northumbria was to provide a one-stop shop for the victims of crime. Mm -hmm. You don't have to report a crime to police 
to access services from Victims First Northumbria. That's very useful. Yeah. Um, if you believe yourself or your family member, friends or a community member have been a victim of crime or mm -hmm. you are still not sure whether yep. um, um, you have been victimized, mm -hmm. just give us a call um, yeah. and we provide support to the victims of crime. This is uh, in a nutshell what we do. Uh, my ro um, role in the unit mm -hmm. is I'm a victim care coordinator. Okay. Um, I receive cases um, um, of old people being referred to Victims First Northumbria. I'm also a hate crime champion mm -hmm. and I'm also a BME champion in Victims First Northumbria. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, which means that on top of my other jobs, I keep an eye on the hate crime cases mm -hmm. falling in Northeast give them support and also look at the BME related issues for example honor based violence forced mm -hmm. marriage female genital mutilation mm -hmm. or any other specific cultural needs which wow. my victims can or very have. very um, I know this might be obvious to people listening but I think a very um, a very appropriate time to have you on as well because I'm seeing a lot of stories recently of like you know hate crime related things and you know domestic abuse so like you know um, the, the, there was one particular I saw yesterday about a guy who don't know if you guys saw this but it was a guy who um it was like an ex-girlfriend i believe who he like sort of abducted essentially and then like put acid on her face or something and then basically drove her around for 12 hours so she just he knew that she would suffer and then there was a picture i saw on the internet it's like one of these it pictures that you it's hard to see mm -hmm. and so i you the reason i'm saying this is because i guess because this is what I think the beauty of our show is is that we can ask somebody like yourself of like what would happen to somebody like her because that headline that story you just get what's happened you don't get what happens after mm -hmm. so i guess is she an example of somebody who you would potentially maybe talk to of you course, know from a therapeutic um, sense yeah we get victims from all all kind of crime yeah um i personally supported victims from manchester attack mm -hmm. who are living in northeast yeah um so yes we cover all all kind of range and what yeah. you just shared is a very interesting scenario yeah because um what happened with that person is not only like kidnapping abduction assault on mm -hmm. violence we don't know there will be so many yeah. things interlinked with that victim mm -hmm. but whether they will be provided that vulnerable level of support that's another question yeah exactly um, yeah. sensitive issue uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's happening. And I think if we are talking about it, that's mean we are started to um, um, talk about the yeah. issues and concerns and start thinking, right, what's the best support mm -hmm. out there? And I think that's why I'm more passionate about like BME, um, BME yeah. work and hate crime. Yeah. Um, when we are talking about like mental health, yeah. Uh, yeah. one aspect of hate crime is targeting because of your mental health oh, yeah, okay. um, and that's such a sensitive issue because majority of the time uh, victims um, of hate crime uh, they will say right I've been targeted well I am um, I am disabled mentally or physically yeah. um, and they started to self-blame or sometimes not to talk yeah. about that they are victims I'm so glad you mentioned that because we've talked about hate crime haven't we? Yeah. As you know recently the Adrian School around the corner in Benwell was targeting in what is now now classified as a hate crime because yeah. they're deliberately targeting vulnerable people calling them disabled and then using horrible language. Yeah, I don't know if you know the story, but it was uh, it was it was big at the time, but it was a few weeks ago and we were actually on the air when it was happening yeah. and um it was over the Easter holidays, wasn't it? And mm -hmm. basically they put graffiti and it was a disabled school, so they would put like, you know, very offensive words yeah. on the the school and, you know, not just and uh, we had the head teacher on the show and 
he basically said quite an interesting point, which you I know you'll identify with what I'm about to say. Is he went? It's one thing the like financial damage that they've done, but it's the fact that we're worried about what the kids will think because if they see that, it reinforces that they are like that. But they're not like that, as in like we're not sitting here going it's a bad thing. We accept them for who they are. But if they see that from somebody else and they hate involved in it, then it can affect them. And to be very amount. honest, yeah. emotional impact of crime. Yeah. Yes. Um, here we are talking about hate crime. Yeah. But mm. even like small, like petty crime, like yeah. where someone just nicked something from a passerby. Yeah. It has really bad um, yeah. emotional impact. Yeah. Of course it does. And I yeah. think that's where Victims First Northumbria strongly stands: Great. is that we do um, respect and accept that even if you might not have financial loss. The mm-hmm. impact of crime could be very yeah. damaging. Yeah. You might struggle to go out for a couple of days. You might yeah. be struggle yeah. to yeah. have social interaction you yeah. used to have. Yeah. Uh, you might lose trust with anyone. Mm. Uh, but hate mm. crime becomes even more um, worse in a sense yeah. because you've been targeted for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, uh, when I'm talking about victims versus Northumbria, um, what we try to establish within 48 hours of uh, our referral, um, we try to see what are the needs of our victims. Mm-hmm. And it's true, majority of the time, the impo- emotional impact of the crime um, is that's what yeah. they need support with. Um, and then we try to reinforce how we can possibly help them. Um, our referrals come from Northumbria Police, but as I said earlier, you can self-refer, you can mm-hmm. refer your community member. Mm-hmm. You talked about like the incident in school. Even like um, um, as a media representative you believe or you heard something just pick a phone and give us a call and just have a confidential chat we do not disclose every information yeah. with police unless or until we do have serious safeguarding concerns it's like we've had um going back on the hate crime thing because we've had veterans from the army who've been deliberately right. targeted because because gangs you know um know of their vulnerability yeah. the stuck fireworks yeah. and but to give my own perspective, which is why I wanted you guys to come in yeah. so, so specifically, because in my own case, my own sort of trauma, which happened in my in my teen, and this is this is with the in context of that forty-eight hour referral, which is why I think that's crucial. So when I had my trauma in my teenage years, I remember like a day or two later, and I still remember it re- really. We're going, we're talking about twenty-five years ago or something, but mm. she was a sweet, sweet old lady, and she was from victim support. And she came in, and I, and I told her what had happened, and she was, like, giving the, oh, that's all, and she gave me a leaflet. But, you know, I, and this is what I want to ask you about, because even after my trauma, yeah. and people kind of consoling me and, and, and telling me that I was kind of heroic for surviving it all, I was on a kind of some, a wave of euphoria where I felt like I was heroic, that when I, when I was presented with this help yeah. from victim support, I kind of rejected it. Yeah. But it was only until later on, that my as my trauma within me was was like nestling and becoming more it was yeah. dormant basically yeah. and then it, it affected me profoundly and greatly later on in life yeah so what i'm saying you is and i know you're smiling because you you, you say it's so crucial that that service comes in as a form of prevention i guess from prevent yeah and i'm loving what you're saying yeah. and the reason is because each individual mm-hmm. have their own road of journey yeah. some will have like self-blame I'm just giving you an example yeah. straight away. Some might have self-blame after like a couple yeah. of weeks. Some will say, you know what, I'm okay. I managed it yesterday. Yeah, but yeah. after a week, they had really, really bad yeah, time and yeah. triggers their mm-hmm. uh, inner frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always say is to my clients and to people I'm supporting is that 
you guide me what kind of support mm-hmm. you are looking for mm-hmm. and you rightly said you did not need it at yeah. the time of initial mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. your coping and recovering from yeah. that um, uh, victimization mm-hmm. but you needed it after a long time yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so i ensured and so as my team is that if nothing else within 48 hours when we establish contact with them at least we leave them some information mm-hmm. so they can always come back and reflect back mm-hmm. um and i think that's where we all bring our bring our own individuality yeah. our own passion um and say to them okay i had a just as an example i had a victim domestic abuse victim from bme mm-hmm. community um so it, it took her like good 3 months from my initial contact mm-hmm. to actually come to the point where she was ready to access services okay, yeah. so i'm very patient i can wait for my victims to come yeah, back yeah. as long as they've got information that they can rely later on so how do you because i was i was i was very young then and i was on i was you know a typical young person or oh, you 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 bravado and all that feeling heroic and everything but it obviously got me later on in life so how do you approach from a young person's perspective who who wouldn't be aware what what such challenges may lie ahead of what they've just been through the law and the um, policies around victims of young victim mm-hmm. is that we have to liaise with the parents and the guardians of right. the young victims okay. Okay. um and that's that's the law we mm-hmm. cannot approach a young person um, okay. directly um so that that would be the first so it becomes protocol. like a family initiative then in some ways because the guardians and parents yeah. are are are, are the responsible yeah. for the yeah. welfare mm-hmm. of the child of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to be very honest majority of the time they do would like to get support they would like yeah. uh, multi agency work yeah. um we have our own young victim coordinator who is specialist in that mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. so what she will then try to do mm-hmm. first of all establish contact with the parents guardian yeah. mm-hmm. offer them services if we have to liaise with social services mm-hmm. school or mm-hmm. depends on the nature and severity of the mm-hmm. crime mm-hmm. we will put that in okay. place straight away mm-hmm. um so young victims will be classed very vulnerable because of their age yeah. um yeah. and also um they will not be ready to speak up their mind themselves mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like from professional side we'll be relying on their parents rather than mm-hmm. uh, them directly mm-hmm. but by saying that we'll try our level best that all uh, all the support is yeah. there mm-hmm. around them so you was in sense informing the parents and guardians of signs to look out for in a way that of course we yeah. will okay. yeah um when we establish contact with the victims we then try to see what impact of crime has actually have on mm-hmm. that person and when i'm talking about victims i'm i'm including young victims as well so mm-hmm. it could be emotional needs mm-hmm. any personal safety or security reasons any mental health needs mm-hmm. um any concerns about like targeting mm-hmm. any concerns about like education mm-hmm. social interaction so cleverly we try to look at those gaps um and then we try to offer them services around those needs um we ha- police and crime commission has given funded to various different organizations mm. uh, who are responsible and who actually give priority to anyone yeah. refer from victims first northumbria so if i cannot be able to let's say when you were talking about yourself if i wasn't able to give you that long term services yeah. at least i'll try to find best services who can uh, give you that i just feel i feel so overwhelmed by what you're saying because if no it's a classic thing of like knowing what i know now yeah. if i knew it back then yeah. i would have tackled it in a different way but and when you're young what you don't know do you i know and to be very honest ricky um 
majority of my clients do say yeah, that yeah. we wish victims first was there before 2015 mm. and it's not like I'm trying to say whatever it is the reality yeah. because we do get involved straight away mm. I have victims who will not even report a matter to police but straight away they will call us mm. the first protocol is always to call 999 yeah. if it's if it's a matter of serious threat or life yeah. is in danger call 999 mm. uh, but we do get involved and then we provide mm. them support um with the young um, um, victims of crime, what we are trying to do to go out and there are, we want uh, people to be aware of our services. Yeah. And just don't be shy, just pick a phone. I had a client, somebody phoned me and they just wanted support around um, their own family member living in another country. So I was more than happy to speak to that person because if they believe they can access our services, yeah. why not? We are open for everyone. Right. It's a free line. It's open 8 till 8 every day, apart from Sunday and on Saturday as well. And yeah, and that's 0800-011-3116. It is. Yeah. So I thought I'd say that for a change. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting enjoying this. And so it's just, I'm like, I'm, I was an audience member there for a second. It was really fun. But I guess like there's a couple of, there was one thing I wanted to ask because I guess this is a really serious thing. And I mean, like me and my girlfriend, for example, you know, I guess I know this, I don't mean to make this whole like trivial, but like me, me and my girlfriend love watching like crime stuff all the time. It's like one of our favorite like type of shows. Like we just sit and watch like 24 hours of police custody, for example. What a great, <laughs> what a great show that is. Honestly, it's a great show. People need to watch it. It's great. Um, anyway, but the reason other, I'm other crime shows are out there. Yes, other crimes are available. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not paid by Channel Four. Um, you know, you know, other television. Yeah, yeah. It's just like we're always gonna be careful with product placement as well. But yeah, yeah other cokes are available. Um, but yeah, um, but the serious thing. The reason I'm being joyful about this is to say a serious point of because what I found interesting is when Ricky asked you the question of what do you do with a young person. I'm curious to know, because I've never been in this situation, is that what if the young person is ringing about their parents? Like, what what, what do you do in that scenario? Like, and what I mean is that, so say the young person rings and says that they feel they're being abused by their parents, but yet you're saying that the parents need to know. I'm assuming that's a situation that's, like, quite unique and that how do you get around that or what's the protocol? I think straight away um, we would like to um, look take as much information from that young person. Yep. The name, contact details, try mm-hmm. to capture that. Um, and as I ex- said to you earlier, if there is like threatening and endangering situation, mm-hmm. call 999. Yeah. But of course, we've got that internal link with the police. So mm-hmm. straight away, we're going to speak to safeguarding team. Yes. And get them involved mm-hmm. and say, look, we've got serious concerns. And by you giving me this example reminds me of one of the cases I had where okay. somebody actually phoned me and was um, um, raised their concerns around, I'm not going to give you any further information apart from that from their religious teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so straight away, we have to address it. We have to look at it because yeah. when it involves young victim, mm-hmm. uh, we cannot just like, Okay, it's so a young person. I can't make contact. Let's take our time now. on this. No, he got straight to do it. away. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it will go to our supervisor mm. managers, as John was saying. If it's concerned about your work policy, um, mm. so get them involved, and um, our management does actually all put their mm. head together and contact the police or the relevant staff. Tell, tell us about because um, am I right in saying victims first, Northumbria are advocate, strong advocates of restorative justice? Because I know that I hear more about that these days. Yes, we do offer restorative justice yeah. apart from the cases of domestic abuse, sexual abuse, 
um, and antisocial behavior cases. Right. But all other crimes, we do offer restorative justice. Uh-huh. But by saying that, restorative justice will only be initiated or talked to uh, where police has actually identified the suspect because mm-hmm. it will be giving a false hope to the victim of crime. Okay. If the offender is not identified and I'm saying to them, right, we'll arrange restorative justice and try to find the answers. What is that? What is that? I'm restorative justice. Yeah, what is oh, that? Restorative yeah. justice is actually giving a power to the victims of crime that they can, without going to criminal justice system, they can get their answers uh, from the offenders and suspects. Uh, I see. Or they can find out why they've been a victim of crime. Uh, I see. So... Okay. Does that offer closure then in towards to the victim's own self-road to... I guess some sort of normality that they might have had before the crime was committed upon them. Do you see what I mean? Um, it, again, it depends. <coughs> I know closure means different things to different yeah, people. It, it's individually. I think sometimes it works really well for the minor crimes. It mm-hmm. gives victims a sense of power. Mm-hmm. As you are all aware, I'm not going to go into that debate of why many of the crimes go unprosecuted or doesn't go to that level. Mm -hmm. So majority of the crime, victims do want to know why they have been victimized. And on the same side, sometimes offenders might want to... It's the same as what Chris Rollins said last time with the offenders of the school, that they would offer them some sort of... Yeah. To meet the people that they've kind of... Yeah, he said it because he said that in that story that we told you that they never found out who exactly the kids were. And so he said on our show, which I thought was fascinating, because I do think that is a good approach is to not like victimize the people who are doing it as well it's kind of like self that's i find that self-defeating so his way of doing it which i thought was very like bold but i I understood his position was he went if we found out where the kids were because we asked them i think it was one of us asked us asked them directly what would you do if you found out who the kids were and he said i would invite them to the school and get them to understand yeah, yeah. what it is that they're actually um insulting and that's a restorative um, justice yeah, which they, i think so, they've got yeah. their um, i like the idea of that they've, yeah. yeah they've got that result from by engaging in that services because going through criminal justice system is not everyone's cup of tea um there are other ways of getting people involved in the uh, in the process um, so, yeah, we do offer restorative justice as well. All of our team members are fully mm. trained. Um, we had a very successful intervention in many cases. One of them was, um, one of the most was actually had some graffiti, uh, yeah. some um, criminal damage, and they were more than happy to involve. And to be very honest, mm. when the offender was approached, he was more than happy to send nice. a letter of apology. And that was just a nice way yeah. of, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. of satisfying the community Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is fine and people um, can be part of uh, that successful process. So yes, we do offer restorative justice. It could be direct, indirect, mediation, formal meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, but we do fully risk assessed and we look at from every angle. Uh, We do have our Mm -hmm. own um, coordinator who's looking into reform project. We've got a new project working with the offenders. Uh, Like a rehabilitation thing they're going through. it's more like getting offenders to be involved with restorative okay. justice and yeah. encourage them. Uh, we have victim aware program where low-level offenders mm-hmm. will be given chance to attend that training and mm-hmm. to be Great. aware of the impact of crime over victims. Uh, but 90% of our work is around victims, and mm-hmm. that's why our name is Victims First. We just want to give them the yeah. power that they 
um, they have to be supported mm. first. And I guess to summarise, because we're at the we're at the end of the show, unfortunately, it's just to, I think just to clarify, I'll say the numbers and stuff again in a second. Is to just say that I'm really pleased because uh, um, she very kindly uh, off showed me the brochure um, during the break before we talked to you, and I love the fact that it just says quite clearly at the beginning when I opened the leaflet, and I love the fact that it says you don't have to have a referral because as somebody when we talk about mental health, I know we touched on it with John and the MP uh, with Catherine, was that uh, this is something I find very um, frustrating because, um, you know, I've never talked about my mum much today, but we, me and Ricky talk about help, helping our mothers because our mothers were having difficult times uh, this year. And the a lot of the time it's waiting around to get a referral for something. And, and if, if it's mental health related, because I guess obviously this is what our show, our foundation of our show is, that can lead to the mental health feelings getting far worse than they were when you first asked for a referral. Yeah. So waiting for a decision makes them feel terrible. It makes you feel helpless to help the person you're helping. And so... And then it's ridiculous because when once you get a referral, because we were waiting for an extra tablet for my mom for our Parkinson's, and then when she's got it now, so she's been on that for the last ten days, and I can see the difference. Yeah. And it's just like, and then you start, but you your brain starts playing the game of, but what if it's just happened at the time it was supposed to? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's very frustrating. So it's really nice because I hope anyone who's listening to this, who's in the situation that we're describing knows that they don't have to ring the police because they might for some reason feel uncertain or yeah. worried or whatever the case may be yeah. um, so I'll, I'll I'll mention your contact details I guess just because it makes sense too yeah. it's, um, so 0800-011-3116 is the um, helpline they are around as in they're open from Monday to Friday 8am till 8pm and then Saturday 9am till 5pm if you want to email them you can at inquiries at victimsfirstnorthumbria.org.uk I should say first is just the word first yeah, do you want Last thing, because I'm aware that uh, your time is very close, yes. um, please don't suffer in silence. If yes. you believe that yourself or anyone around you is a victim of crime or something is not right, please pick a phone, give us a call. Mm-hmm. We've yes. just started our own um, uh, website chat as well. Uh, we are getting referrals where people anonymously mm-hmm. uh wanting to get information and our coordinators are like keeping an eye on any live chat so if you just want to get that mm-hmm. um a support around that you can do so referral i i, I really don't even want to call it referral because yeah. of technicalities just yeah. pick up phone. all we want from your side is your name contact details and a consent that you are happy for us to open your case with victims first northumbria and Great. even if you don't want us to open your case with victims first northumbria and you just want one off chat that's absolutely fine we'll be more than happy to give you time Brilliant. Uh, and support you as much as we can. Brilliant. Wow. What a fantastic show. Can, um, I, can I just say, yeah. this is one of the best... Because... I know, but... I every week. <laughs> what I mean, a great it, show. I mean it's it this time show. because, okay, we've had my MP. We, yeah. we had a discussion with John about workplace discrimination, plus... That's good. And, and now you about as well yeah. with, with, with trauma, which is very personal and close to me and I just feel overwhelmed it's totally. as if we've planned this show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, all it all worked really well Fan goes the spontaneity of it all yeah yeah yeah, and now we need to do the script now, Ricky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next year will all be about yeah. you, I promise. These things all written down, and I have to say. Uh, <laughs> anyway, huge thank you to all our guests there. Uh, thank you, uh, Sana, for coming thank on. It's been a so real much. pleasure. Um, and yeah, she mentioned actually in the break, which I guess I'll say about potentially because we've we've uh, we talked about this before, but maybe getting some of our own from your police on would be good because um, we we always think it's kind of nice to have that demographic of like the police are not just like for emergencies you can talk to them outside of that yeah. so that would be kind of fun but um, 
that's a talk for another day. Um, so yeah, a huge thank you to Sana, to um, Catherine McKinnell, who was a member of Parliament for Newcastle North, to John Devitt, Recovery for Life, and he mentioned uh, to talk to them about work-related uh, mental health stuff, and obviously to Sana um, from Victims First Northumbria. So that number again is 0800 if you want to talk to them. Um, huge thank you to us. Uh, <laughs> and thank you to us. Huge thank you to us for being awesome. Uh, yeah. um, it's, I'm tired. It's been a long time. Uh, but yeah, huge thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show, I should say. We are on on the second, last Friday, I should say, of, um, 20, 25th of May. 25th, thank you. Um, yeah, that's right. So 25th of May, because um, we're on twice a month now, for those that are um, listening to us from a once a month. And the podcasts that we did in April are going to be released over the weekend. So you can listen to the last two shows. And this show will be released in two weeks' time, because Spice replays this next Friday as well. Um, so huge thank you to Spice and everybody else. Uh, if you want to contact us, at underscore mentally sound is the tweets. Um, and obviously you can talk to us directly on Twitter or whatever you want. But until uh, two weeks' time, I'm going to play some ads now. Uh, and have a good week, everybody, and weekend. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks, guys. And stay mentally sound. <laughs> we mean it. Thanks, guys. Bye.